Welcome to Scale Your Business Radio with your hosts, David Finkel and Jeff Hoffman. Hi, Scale Your Business listeners. I'm David Finkel here, and I'm joined today by Jeff Hoffman. Many of you know Jeff for the different companies he started. Some of you know him from his co-founding of Priceline.com. Others of you know him for the entertainment company that he created, producing such films like Cabin Fever as the, as the franchise there. Still others know him from his time with Ubid.com or RedTag.com. Jeff, thank you for joining us here today on Scale Your Business Radio. Thanks, David. This is my favorite topic, scaling businesses, so I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> All right. So as you know and our listeners know, each week we share ideas and strategies to grow your business and get your life back. And the premise is that there are repeatable, uh, proven, validated strategies for scaling a company that will not only increase sales, increase profits, but also give the business owner more personal freedom back through sound systems, empowered teams, and intelligent business controls. Right now in this first segment, what we're going to talk about here is scaling up a, a blue-collar service firm. And what are the biggest obstacles to growing a blue-collar service business, and how do you overcome them? And so first of all, let's just start off by defining a, a blue-collar service business, and I'll do that with a quick story. And then we'll jump into some thoughts of what we think are some of the most important ta- uh, tips and tactics and strategies to grow a blue-collar service business. So take Clayton Tapley. Clayton's a business coaching client of ours, and he has a, a, a fireplace company that installs outdoor and indoor fireplaces and patio barbecues and designs that for people. And it's actually out in Atlanta, Georgia, on the outskirts there. He's been growing about 40 45% per year for the last several years, a lot of growth. And he's dealing with some of the common challenges. You know, he started off as a guy who really knew how to do the fireplace side. He was great at selling the service. He was great at making sure the work was done well. Now he's in a position where he doesn't schedule anything. He's got project coordinators who do that. He's not involved in the sales aspect. He's got a sales manager and sales team that does that. And it's a very different place. He's never had the training on how to manage and grow the business. And so as he's doing this now, he's learning, how do I systematize these pieces so that I don't have the reliance back on one or two key people that if, heaven forbid, they should get hurt, the business would suffer. And uh, let's start even talking about that, Jeff. How do we, any advice for, you know, how do we make sure that as we grow, it's not just from the owner working more hours because that's only going to take someone so far. What are some of the first steps I can make as an owner of a blue-collar services business, whether it be construction or some other type of contracting business where I can start to reduce the reliance of the business on me. Give me one or two first steps I could take, simple first steps. So I think that the, the really, the, the fast, simple first steps are to step back. The, the business owner tends to get so deeply involved in running the business and building it, and typically in a blue-collar business, like you said, uh, the business owner is somebody that, it came from that business, right? Somebody that worked in construction becomes a contractor and now has a business and now is a boss and a CEO when they're used to actually building the structures and being out there being a contractor. So what happens is we don't step back and do this, what I always call the time and motion study. We don't step back to say, what are the lists of all the things that have to get done every day to keep this business functioning and who around here can do them? We just do them. So I think that's the first simple step is step back, write down all the processes, all the time and motion, all the things that you do and others do that actually make this company run. 
You know, one of the things I think we can build on with that is this idea that in a blue-collar service business, there's a tremendous amount of scheduling that's going to get done. Scheduling to make sure staff is on site at the right job with the right materials at the right time, knowing what they should do. And so one place to really look at in your system is how do you do your scheduling? Is it done by a person? If so, how does he or she do it? And and getting that to be more organized with that. I'll mention that uh, one tip I'd share is I saw, this is really kind of cool, Jeff, um, Mark Hua, who I, I don't know if you've met him yet. You're going to meet him coming up at the September training that we're doing. And, and Mark's just started having his field guys who are out there doing the actual uh, maintenance work that he does. He has a, a company that does common area maintenance for large homeowners associations. And what he does now is he's got a system set up where when they're done with the work on the work orders that are generated for them each day, they take pictures of the work at the end of the day and the work site. They text them back to or email them back to Mark's central office. And the next day or that day, they're actually sent to the client as well. The, in their case, generally it's going to be either a HOA that's managed by uh, a volunteer board or by a professional management company, and they love it. His customers love seeing these pictures that at the end of each day they know exactly where it stands. And I was laughing because Mark said, hey, I know the work's being done the right way now, yet at the same time my customers think that I'm more on top of it because they can actually see the pictures and my staff, the guys that are out there in the field, have some accountability to make sure that the work site looks really good at the end of the day because now they know the pictures are going to be seen. So those are two quick tips I would share about that. Um, I, I think that's absolutely a great system. I wanted to throw it in another area besides scheduling, and I'll tell you the one that I hear all the time. It's proposal writing for companies mm-hmm. in these industries. No business comes until I respond and write a proposal, and I see business owners that every time I talk to them are busy writing proposals because the proposal is the start of the entire process. Obviously, that's a very important thing, but I always ask them, why do they write all the proposals? And they don't have the confidence in anybody else. No one knows the business like I do, and it's too important, so I'll just write the proposal. Now, hearing that, what you think is what they don't do is stop and take the time. I tell them, get an apprentice. Let somebody sit with you every time you write a proposal, ask you questions, explain everything you're doing, because you're so busy writing proposals that you won't take the time to teach anybody else how to do it, and you're never going to escape that. So think about that one. Business owners always tell me when I say who writes most of the proposals, well, there might be salespeople that start the proposal, but I, the business owner, everything comes through me. I always edit them. I've got to approve them. And, and so you need, a, you need an apprentice. You need to start letting people sit with you in that process so that more people can generate proposals at the quality level you would generate them. And when you start to get that bidding and proposal process down smooth, what you can also do, Jeff, I love this idea of going to riff off of it a little bit, is it lets you now start to get rules of thumb in the business that you can create standard package components so that you know that the pricing is going to actually have the margins that you want. You know what the materials cost and the labor cost is likely to be. And it lets you create a fancier, better, higher conversion bid or proposal and yet protect the business from having the pricing be off and hurting the margin. That's a great idea. Let's jump to the other side, which is... Go ahead, please, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it also, you, you hit on a really important point. It helps you document the logic of your business, right? When people talk about margins and stuff you put in the proposal, the only way other people can, run, can write and understand a proposal to help you is if they understand the logic of how you design the business. 
what, you know, what are our goals on these margins, what are the variables. So it helps you document the assumptions you run the business by so that other people can understand the, the business's goal center. You know, when I hear you say that, it also reminds me here that on the sales side, so often we think, oh, gosh, you know, it's going to have to have sales magic to be able to do this here. Yet, in a blue-collar service business, it doesn't take necessarily fancy selling. If you can give your sales force, whether it's one person in the field doing estimating or it's three or four or 20 guys out there working, um, like Clayton's just started a commercial division for him doing um, cleaning and duct work for large um, management companies that manage apartment complexes. Well, okay, you can give them tools, like, for example, give them a template that they fill in the numbers for them to do a sales presentation and showing them where the materials can do most of the selling, you know, the before and after pictures of sample properties and, you know, a slide in that, in that book or in that, that, that uh, iPad um, presentation that shows what the next step in this, this conversation should be. And it lets you take a sales process that once upon a time only the owner can do and to, to replicate that, to clone that in other less qualified people who don't need it because now the intelligence is not in the brain of the person doing it. It's partially that, partially in the training, but also in the actual system for doing the selling. I love this idea of how we can start to document and systematize and give tools to the team that is more than just word docs of step one, step two, but the tools that let the knowledge of the business be captured in the tool. Absolutely. In fact, uh, even the, the topics that we've been talking about, right, scheduling and proposal writing, for example, there are tools that automate that process that you control. You input all of your logic. You input all that intelligence, and it makes sure that you have consistency when you're generating new proposals, generating scheduling, doing cost estimating, et cetera. So there are tools, and sometimes from the time we start a business, right, as a business owner, and we let, let's use our other example. I, I used to be in construction, and now I'm a contractor. I run a business. So when I was in construction, when I started the business, there was a certain set of tools, or maybe there wasn't. The point is, I've been doing this business for a while now, and, and you know, the technology moves so fast that if you don't stop periodically and say, hey, maybe just in the last six months while I've been doing this manually, some new tool has come on the market. So it's important to constantly survey markets and look for tools that can improve your productivity and your consistency because technology keeps bringing out new ones all the time. Yeah, I mean, there are some of these apps that you can give your team that probably cost, you know, in, in the, the tens or the hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop, and we can get access to them sometimes for a very low amount of money, under $100, or some of them are hosted services that we're paying $10, $20, $30, $40 per month per user. I mean, things that let you run your business that are powerful, but we didn't have to pay any of the, the development costs for that just makes such good sense to do. So in our next segment, we're going to be talking about scaling up a manufacturing business. Um, we're going to talk about what are the focus areas to grow a manufacturing firm. I want to encourage you to go to scaleyourbusinesstoolkit.com. On there, you're going to find all kinds of great tools to help you grow your, your business, and they're free. Jeff and I have spent lots and lots of hours developing them for you. I'm David Finkel, joined today by my co-host, Jeff Hoffman, co-founder of Priceline.com, and you're listening to Scale Your Business on WS Radio, the worldwide leader in Internet talk. 